Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome back into the Card Chronicle Podcast. It is Friday the 13th, Friday, August 13th here. Mike Rutherford in Louisville, Kentucky, Nate Sennard in Columbus, Ohio. After his summer tour of, I think, every lake in America, and <laughs> just on the uh, <laughs> the Lake Squad tour for a while. How has the all the laking been, Dan? Yeah, I mean, we just got back from from Lake Norman in North Carolina. Don't know if people have been there. Pretty cool spot. Um, we went with my wife's side of the family a little reunion since they're all spread out around the u.s but uh yeah it really has been uh the summer of the lake and it's it's not done yet still got a couple <laughs> a couple more to go but uh it's been good that i actually went uh extreme tubing and water skiing this past week and everything's fine except for the fact that I might be paralyzed and I literally can't walk. I literally feel like a 55 to 65 year old man. Like this is the worst I've felt after a physical activity in a long, long time. So, um, yeah, I don't know if any listeners out there are avid water skiers. Um, if you guys just take this in stride with no soreness, I tip my cap. Uh, but, but old Dan is struggling. That's all I'll say about that. You've kind of you've had like back issues since. I mean, I feel like our late twenties. Is that about right? Yeah, I had uh, I had some back spasm issues, and I don't know if anyone's dealt with back spasms, but I mean, they are the least fun, you know, thing to go through of all time. Um, and and there's been a couple embarrassing times when they've popped up. Uh, <laughs> one was was very telling where I. I was uh, working and I had to have a couple like old ladies escort me out to my car because I could like barely lift my work bag. Um, I like could barely walk. I was like, I gotta have my wife pick me up. I'm dying here. But uh, yeah, they've they've sort of subsided, but definitely a flare up after the water ski incident this week. Maybe don't go water skiing if you have. Oh, I, I mean that's problem. the thing. I'm not even a big water skier, but my wife. Grew up, like, of course she gets out on, like, again, I've never even tried this. My wife, like, she hasn't slalom skied in, like, 15 to 20 years, but she did it, like, all the time growing up. That's where it's just, like, one ski in the water. She just hopped right up on the first time and was just out there shredding glass like she had been doing it her whole life. Hopped off. She was loving every second of it. I literally, it took me, like, because I haven't water skied maybe in, I don't know, 10 years. Uh, Let's just say it took me at least, like, four to five times to get up and then when I did get up it did not last very long and the wipeouts were pretty extreme so I had had enough um but it's pretty 
demoralizing when your wife can outperform you at a task and anything on the water she usually does. To be fair, like you married into like like a tier one lake family. Like you basically married into like the Rayburns from Bloodline. Like, it, like yeah. they're they're all about lakes. They're they're just classic lake people. And you've kind of tried to embrace like you're not wearing the like the long sleeve swordfish clothing yet with the like the the material that like all the it's lake like please wear. don't check my Google search history <laughs> for the love of God. <laughs> It's happening. It's the happening. I'm becoming that guy. Yeah. Uh, uh, like it's it's a it's a fun thing to adapt. Like I I I was kind of envious of people growing up that hung out at the lake because I just never did that. And now that I'm at the lake more, I'm like, oh, this is why they do it. It's just a. I mean, who doesn't want to just chill in the water and drink all day? I mean, we did it a couple weeks ago and it was a phenomenal day. It was a lot of fun, but I, I'm excited for you to start wearing like flip shades and talking about fishing every time I see you. It's gonna be. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. But uh, we're back on the Card Chronicle podcast here, and we've had a little bit of news since the last time we were on. Um, If you have not heard yet, I made the announcement earlier this week, but I'm coming back to radio full-time starting on Monday here, August 16th. Shout-out to uh, everybody at Word Media Group. I'm going to be on uh, the Big X, baby, Big X Radio, 1450 a.m. here in Louisville, 96.1 on FM. If you um, live outside the area like Dan, you want to catch the podcast, we will have a podcast for you. We'll have a streaming link up every single day. The show eventually is going to be on YouTube. Uh, actually, I went into the studio on Wednesday to make sure that you know everything was working out okay. We did a live hour on the radio where I think the only people listening, my wife, my babysitter, and my mom. Uh, but it, but it, was a, it was a lot of fun just to kind of be back there and get the, the sea legs back underneath me. But uh, I'm excited, man. But one of the biggest questions I've, I've gotten this week, and it was, uh, it was awesome how many times I heard it, was just people asking if the podcast was going to continue. And the answer is yes. Uh, the podcast, the show goes on. We're not going soon. We actually, I mean, you, you sort of forget because the last two years feel like they've been, you know, a decade and a half. But we actually started this podcast when I was still doing radio at iHeart. So uh, it was not the worst thing in the world to balance both those jobs. It's just, it's definitely a different type of conversation that we have here. So you're going to continue to have me and Dan telling stories about how dumb and bad we are as dads, uh, cussing a lot. That's going to be fun. This will be my, my cussing outlet. So the pod rolls on, Dan. We're not stopping. I love it, man. I mean, congrats to you. Um, this was a long time coming, obviously. This was, I mean, it, the equivalent, obviously, uh, I keep looking at it as like when Jordan left the Bulls for the first time and just basically took two years off. And now he's coming back. You're coming back to a different station. You know, you're wearing number 45. But uh, I, I think the league or slash Louisville radio has been put on notice that Mike Rutherford is back in the game for sure. And I mean, people are nervous, uh, but no man, in, in all sincerity, congrats. That's, uh, that's awesome. I, I know when you put it on Twitter, um, deservedly. So you received a ton of praise, um, and congratulations from some pretty cool figures out there. So, uh, I'm excited. I know most of Louisville's excited and, um, yeah, it'll be good to have you back on the airwaves. The fun thing is going to be like, like how much, like all that turns because being off radio is kind of like being the backup quarterback. Like, like everybody, everybody loves you when you're not on the radio and everybody hates you when you actually get back on because it's, 
it's impossible to please everybody for three straight hours. You know, like you're going to say one or two things that people just flat out disagree with or that come off in a way that annoys people. And that's always going to stick in their minds. They'll come back, but they're going to be like, yeah, the guy's arrogant or that guy fucked up that fact. And when you're not on radio, like the same people that would would tweet you every single day and be like, you suck. Why are you doing this? How do you have a job? Those same people, like a week after you get fired or or you leave or whatever, are like, you know, say what you say what you will about Mike. The guy told it like it was, and, and I miss him on the radio now. Like, it, like that's exactly <laughs> what happens with everybody. Like with Lachlan McLean, you had people who just like hated this man for like twenty years or whatever, and then when he did, when he got off radio, they're like, I never thought I'd say this, but I miss Lock. Like bring him <laughs> back now. And, like, it's, it's that way with everybody, and, and so now I, I'm I'm excited to go from, you know. We gotta get Rutherford back on radio. He was so great. He was the one to like, you know, three weeks from now, like this guy sucks. <laughs> like, like the local radio is so bad here. I'm, uh, I'm sure, like, yeah, I'm sure after like your first like day of like three hours on the radio, like when you pull into the parking lot the next day, you're like, my God, I gotta talk three hours again. <laughs> Dude, after doing an hour on Wednesday, I was like, well, I'm glad. It's like it felt good to have that underneath me, but Jesus, this is a. Uh, it's it's tough, and now especially like kind of doing it by myself at least um, for the start. And I will answer some of the questions you guys had about the show format. But you know, kind of this being my show, uh, being the one who runs it, the ones who's going to be booking guests and planning out what we're going to talk about. It's definitely it's definitely a lot more work uh, than it has been in past iterations. But again, uh, no complaints here. I'm very excited to be back. And shout to Dugan Ryan, Troy Miles, and all those guys for uh, for for making this happen. Because for a long time, I just thought, you know, look, it's a, it's a different landscape now. This is There's nothing out there that's going to be worth my time. And uh, they were able to work out some stuff that, that made it worth my time. So I'm very excited to get back. But it was funny when we were actually doing that, that practice hour. You know, I've had poor timing throughout my professional career. That's This is nothing new. When I got the first radio job in 2015, it happened like right at the tail end of all of the era of good feelings in mobile sports. And just a, a couple months later, the Casino Powell stuff broke. Then we go to, to 790, and we're all excited about that. We got a big launch party scheduled. And right before the launch party happens, you know, Jurich and, and Patino are gone, and, and the, the, the second scandal hits. My book comes out with Rick Patino writing the foreword. He gets fired quite literally the day after that happens. And so we're doing this practice hour, and – you know, we're not really talking about anything. We're just kind of shooting the shit. And the Dino Gaudio, the latest portion of that story breaks. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I, I, do I really have to talk about serious? Is Rose? Dino Gaudio extorting Mike Rutherford? My I mean, column. At this point, you kind of have to wonder. But let's talk about it a little bit because this kind of – I mean, I knew that the story wasn't completely done yet because – Gaudio is said to be sentenced on my birthday, actually, two weeks from today, August 27th. So you knew you were going to hear something else about it. But I didn't think that like we were going to hear a, a second side of the story, that, that that was even part of this equation, because for so long it's been you – know, Dino Gaudio's only side of the story has been, I was upset when I got fired by a longtime friend. I said some things I regret. I wish I hadn't. I'm pleading guilty. And I think we all sort of thought that was the, the end of the saga. The, all the details we had were all the details we were going to have. And the only thing left was to, to hear 
what Gaudio's fine or whatever was going to be, and then we all would turn the page. But instead, uh, as so happens with Louisville sports stories, there's always some more ugliness looming. And on Wednesday, we found out the details of some court filings from Dino Gaudio. You've probably heard the the details at this point. If you haven't, just a real quick rundown of, I think, the most important things. One, Gaudio says that Chris Mack taped the now infamous conversation. That's how all this got out. That's how all this got started. Two, he says that after the NCAA tournament selection show, when Louisville was uh, replacement team number one, hang the banner, Yum Center, let's do it. Matt called a coaches meeting where he flipped out, said our players aren't good enough, started talking about pulling scholarships. And in this telling of the story, Gaudio is like the white knight who's like, hey, look, come on, guys. Like, let, let, let's the players are great. We don't need to do that. Uh, and then the last thing that I think is important outside of, I guess, the, the details of the violations, which we already sort of knew. But Gaudio says that he and Chris Mack didn't see eye to eye on, on COVID and kind of implies that had Mac been more stringent or more by the book when it came to handling COVID protocols, Louisville wouldn't have had quite as many issues as they did last season. And Gaudio, as he says in this this filing, is basically like, hey, it's not the players' fault. If we had handled COVID correctly, we'd be in the NCAA tournament, which is probably right uh, if we're being fair. But, uh, I mean – what does this all do for you, Dan, outside of being just another embarrassing story that people are going to talk about because it's the summer and there's not a whole else going on? Does this change at all your views on Gaudio or Mac or this whole fucking mess? I mean, I know after reading this, I was like, God, I would hate to be one of Dino Gaudio's ex-girlfriends. I mean, this guy's just out here talking shit after the fact. But, I mean, I know he, he he's doing it, you know, to obviously defend his side of the story. Um, I don't know. I had kind of different opinions when I read it. I just kind of laughed it off and was like, okay, so Chris Mack was pissed off, uh, for good reason after their season ended early. And obviously some things were said in a coach's meeting, which I think if your team had expectations to make the tournament and they didn't, and you had two NBA caliber players, you know, on your roster, you know, of course he's probably going to talk shit, um, you know, or say stuff to the coaches that maybe he wouldn't say to the player's face. Um, I I don't dispute that stuff like that was said. And to be honest, you know, for the expectation that Louisville basketball program has, I don't have a problem with it. Um, but it's just so tiring that, like, things that happen for our program – behind closed doors no matter what just somehow always get aired out and they do. It, it's it's just unbelievable that this keeps happening you know uh if chris mack was the one that taped this conversation i don't know if he was instructed to do that i don't know if he did it on his own um it, it just seems like overall this was just not well thought out at all um uh, you know I, I i would like to think that nothing's going to come of this but at this point, who knows? It, it just seems like we have a never-ending drama at this school. It's it's pretty exhausting. I'm, I, I want to just flip the page and move on and focus on basketball, but um, especially with, with how much this program engulfs the city, if anything happens, of course people are going to talk about it, and it's just been a never-ending stream of neg- negative news, and when, just add one more to the list. It, it all goes back to – 
every time one of these stories comes out and you and I have to talk about it or anybody has to talk about it, all I can think about is that like those those February podcasts where you and I were like, please just make the fucking tournament. Exactly. Like, if 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 that team just wins one more game, if they figure out how to guard Mark Williams in the post, they beat Duke in the ACC tournament, or they don't lay an absolute egg against Miami, or some of those other games that we spent so much of the winter breaking down, and they just they just hear their name called. I don't think we have any of these issues. Like like people aren't people aren't automatically thrilled with the state of the program if let's say they, they got in and they lost in the first four or they won their first four game but lost in the, the the first round of the NCAA tournament but I don't think you had the there wasn't the pressure on Mac to make the roster moves the coaching moves there wasn't there certainly would have been the fallout between he and Gaudio like these minor violations those wouldn't have gotten out or Louisville would have self-reported and it wouldn't have been a big deal it's just it all got so messy because, well, let's, let's be real. Mitch Barnhart was an asshole and, and didn't let us yeah. in the NCAA tournament. This all goes back to Mitch Barnhart. This is his fault. This is his doing. And now we're feeling the after effects of it. But I was kind of with you on the, like the Chris Mack post selection show, um, meeting because like to me, that's sort of the same thing as, as Gaudio flipping out when he's getting his bad news. It, it's kind of the, like when, when, when that day happened, and you and I recorded a podcast that night, we were pissed off. Everybody was pissed off. And yeah. when you're pissed off, you kind of, like, you have those irrational thoughts. You have that, this isn't good enough. And, and I mean, you saw it all over Twitter. There were people like, you know, the staff isn't good enough. Fire them all right now. These players aren't good enough right now. And the ironic thing about this to me is that, like, I had heard, and I think I even said it on this podcast during the season, that there had been plenty of buzz that the assistant coaches were sort of pushing Mac to, to make a gigantic roster overhaul. They wanted to cut a couple of the guys uh, who had already signed with the program who were coming in as freshmen, which ended up happening. They wanted to kind of force a, a couple of the, the sophomores who weren't playing enough or who weren't playing well enough to other programs, which kind of happened. And again, the whole buzz this entire time was that it was the, the assistant coaches that were pushing Mac to do this, and now he's getting shit for, for saying – We've got to make all these roster moves. Who knows what the the real story is? Who knows if that's ever going to come out? But like you said, it's just stuff like this. I feel like happens in a, a lot of major programs. The biggest difference is we never hear about it. And with Louisville, it seems like everything that happens we hear about it. And a lot of times it's stuff like this that you would just as soon turn a blind eye to. Yeah, and you know, and I, I've read a couple of the columns. I read Eric Crawford's column about it, and these so-called like possible minor violations of playing the grad assistants or, you know, these recruiting videos, which could potentially be more serious. Those are things that I, I, I want to just brush right under the rug um, because they're so minor and, you know, so um, I, I don't know, just something that I would usually gloss over for any other university that happened to, but we are just under such a microscope right now that it, you know, as little as that may be, you just never know if you, if just something that small, you might have royally fucked up. Um, so, you know, I, I would like to think things are completely under control over, you know, on the basketball side of things at that program. But just from the view you get from the outside and the things that leak out, um, and I know there's been an overhaul on the roster. There's been, you know, coaching changes and, and whatnot. Um, 
but it just seems like there's really not a whole lot of control of the basketball program going on over there. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I'm not there on a daily basis. Um, but really what it all comes down to is we just need these games to start ASAP so we can talk about something else because yeah. we're just pedaling around with this bullshit right now. But um, I don't know. It, it's it's tough to just keep talking about over and over and finding a new slant. I mean, obviously your rivals are going to poke fun anytime something comes out. And we've obviously been an easy target because we've given people tons of ammo. But um, hopefully we can just get to the season without any more drama. And obviously we're, we're hoping that this roster performs better than last year. The only other thing that we have to talk about here, and it's just so, I mean, it's just so absurd. It, it, all of this is so absurd. But the the letters of recommendation or letters of support that uh, were submitted uh, for Dino Gaudio, they came from a lot of different places, a lot of college basketball figures, but two in particular stood out to Louisville fans. One came from the the father of Quinn Slezinski, who now has transferred to play for Rick Pitino at Iona. Uh, his dad said, basically, like Quinn's mom was diagnosed with cancer and was battling that for several months, and uh, Dino Gaudio was the only person who helped him through that. And then two, a letter of support from John Calipari on like the official UK stationary, whatever you want to call it, with all the logos and all this stuff. I mean, just just unbelievable, the, the, the fact that we're sitting here dealing with this. And it just feels like I'm sure Calipari was doing it from just out of the goodness of his heart. But yeah. it, sure, it sure felt like getting a divorce and then getting on Facebook and reading this, like, letter, this, like, message of support from your now ex-wife's, like, old flame who you just always hated, who just was never clearly out of the picture. I don't know. I mean, I, I just it, it was just like, come on, man. Like, I don't want this, to this, this rivalry is just the best. It really is. Like, <laughs> it literally never disappoints. Like, uh, no matter what, whether it's a video of, like, you know, a coach celebrating in his basement to, you know, retirement home fighting to a letter of support from the now fired, you know, uh, under prosecution ex-assistant coach. I mean, it's just it, everything that goes along with the rivalry from the outside is what makes it so great. So um, I just laugh at that part. I mean, the Quinn Szynski father one, that's that's actually, I, I, you know, if, if that's true, I'm, I feel a little bad, um, obviously. Sure. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, it, it's just it's it's like we just discussed. It's never ending drama, um, you know. A lot of this goes away when you just start winning games. Um, so, like we said, just just get to the damn season and uh, let's let's go from there. Speaking of getting to the damn season, we'll turn the page here quickly. And again, we asked for questions from you guys. You guys submitted a, a ton. We're going to get to those in a second. But the two biggest topics of, of conversation were obviously one, the Dino Gaudio stuff, and now two, the potential. I, I think. Potential is probably the wrong word. The looming addition of Mason Faulkner to the Louisville men's basketball roster. Uh, Faulkner has officially enrolled at UofL. He has not officially been named as a new member of the program. I'm assuming that's going to happen very, very soon. It might even happen while we're recording this. But uh, Mason Faulkner, for anybody looking for quick background info, from around this area, played high school basketball at Caverna High School. Uh, home of the the famous Doyle brothers, my cousins, shout to them, made Caverna big. Uh, but he averaged outrageous numbers in high school, 
went to NKU for two years, um, transferred to Western Carolina, uh, put up big-time numbers uh, for the, the Catamounts, was a all-Southern Conference player, and then had chosen to play his final year of eligibility at Colorado, had actually signed with the Buffs, was out in Boulder, uh, was going through team workouts and stuff, uh, actually had to have uh, surgery, I think, on a, uh, his foot. So he was being held out of, of summer activities. But then just a few weeks ago announced that he was leaving Colorado, said in his note that he wanted to be closer to home. The writing was clearly on the wall at that point that he was going to come to U of L. That's uh, that, that's going to happen at this point. He is. I, I don't think I, I see a lot of Louisville fans who are like, "This is our point guard. Like we're good to go now. This is the, the missing piece." And I maybe I'm wrong. Like, like all of us are kind of guessing when it comes to grad transfers. But I don't like. I was really high on Carly Jones. I was really high on Damian Lee. I don't see him as that caliber of an addition. Um, I don't know. I, like maybe he starts at point guard just because I think he is more of a true point guard than anybody that you have on your roster, or at least anybody who's proven uh, their ability to play that role on this roster so far. I just, he's a good piece. He, he, I think he bolsters an already deep team. He is a guy that maybe could get hot from one night. He definitely is a good passer, but to, to me, it makes me a little bit nervous that what Chris Mack and Ross McMains and the staff have seen in practice so far is a lot of the ball flying around uh, and yeah. not in a good way uh, because that was Max said that I think after the first couple of practices, which is understandable. It's early. It's summer. They're learning a new system, but L Ellis super athletic. The only knock that I've heard on him, like, like since we've been recruiting him for the last year was you don't want him as the primary ball handler. Uh, Jared West, I, I think very steady, but has been more of a combo guard throughout his career and was playing at Marshall uh, Noah Locke is a – I know he said he wants to play both guard positions. He's a natural two, um, can handle it a little bit, but he's more of just a knockdown shooter than anything else. And then you've got a bunch of young guys that you don't really know how they're going to fit into things. So if nothing else, Faulkner is a really good passer. He was, I think, second in the Southern Conference in assist uh, this past season. He can dish it out. He handles it well enough. Uh, shifty, I, I think he can be a good player. I just don't think that he is – like I don't think that his addition – takes Louisville from this fringe top 25 team in a lot of people's eyes to like top 20, top 15, which a lot of Louisville fans seem to see. I don't, I don't think he changes all that much, but he is a, like, he's a good addition. I'll say that. Yeah. And I was kind of the, the same thought process as you um, as far as, okay, are they going to use this last scholarship? And by doing that, it tells me maybe they're not a hundred percent comfortable at that ball handling position, like he said. But if anything, it gives us depth. And, um, I, I mean, I don't think that can hurt at all. Um, it's nice to kind of maybe run out a couple different sort of styles or options out there. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I mean, I'll be dead honest. I haven't seen the kid play a ton. Um, I, you know, I've heard good things, but. Uh, it just seems like we're very steady, at least steady at every single position. There's not one position where it's like, oh, if someone gets hurt, you know, uh, maybe, maybe the center position. I mean, obviously, uh, but if someone gets hurt one through four, I think we're pretty steady as far as rotation and backups go. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I just like the roster. I feel like. Um, maybe not from like a top end talent standpoint more than last year. Cause obviously I, I, I 
expected David Johnson to be a first round pick, even though he was a second round pick. By the way, congrats to Dave. That's awesome. Love you, Dave. Um, go rocks. Exactly. Go rocks, baby. Two draft picks and what? Three or four years. Love it. Um, anyways. Yeah. I don't know. It's, Hell, three uh, draft picks in four years, right? We had Spalding, Scrub and. Oh yeah. Uh, that's right. Yeah. And now David Johnson. It's Forgot not exactly. It's not the, the Trinity basketball program that once gave big minutes to Danny Sennard. No. Well, yeah, that, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but, but I mean, back to this kid, I, I, it, it sounds like he might be more of a, uh, I mean, I know he think, I think he averaged 17 points a game last year, but it sounds like he might be one of the more, uh, pass willing or creative types. Not saying that L. Ellis isn't or Jared West isn't, but it just, I, I think that's probably why they brought him in to be, be a little more secure with the ball. So, um, I don't know. I'll, I'll, it, I can talk about this till I'm blue in the face, but until we kind of see all these guys play and see what they can do, um, it's going to be really hard to evaluate them. Yeah, this is setting up to me, and, and again, this could wind up being totally wrong once we actually get to the season, but it certainly seems like you've got the pieces in place to kind of do a let's play the hot hand or hot hands on a given night uh, mm-hmm. type deal. Because I think you've got a lot of guys who do a lot of similar things or who have a lot of similar skill sets. And it, it gives Chris Mack – like it's very clear based on the moves that have been made over the last few months that Chris Mack was frustrated with the way the last season played out, not just from a win-loss standpoint, but in, in terms of like the style of play, and was basically like, never again. Like, I'm never going to be in a position again where I feel like I have got to play stall ball because I've got such a thin bench, because I've got two or three guys who just simply cannot come out of games. And that's where you were last year. And the good thing about having this roster, because I'm with you, like I don't think it's quite as strong at the top. I don't know if there's an NBA draft pick on this roster, um, at least for the, the 2022 draft. But I, I, I do think, like last year, there were so many games where the team just, if Carleek wasn't on, nobody was hitting from the outside. The offense was so stagnant. And there was never a moment where you were like, hey, put this guy in, right? Like, exactly. You know, like the, and I think now you're at least going to be able to say, like, put Dre Davis in or, or put J.J. Trainer in or put uh, Jared West in. Like, like we're going to have ample, uh, like, options. And you're going to be able to play this new Ross McMain style freely and flawlessly. And if guys are winded, you can take them right out. If guys aren't playing well, you're always going – you've got options at every single position – I think that's going to be the really good thing. How good are they going to be overall? Uh, so much of it depends on, on how well they gel. And, and if you can get one or two of these guys who kind of look like they're just good college players to morph into to really good college players or great college players, I'm talking about you know Jalen Withers, L. Ellis, Sam Williamson. Like A couple of those guys need to make the leap and be – we think they're all going to be good. We need a couple of those guys to be even better than we think they are if we're talking about this team being a, a contender in the ACC and a second weekend team in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and I, when it comes to using the scholarship or not, I mean, Chris Mack is probably looking at this, and if he's not 100% secure with the team that he has, I mean, there's no more messing around. I mean, he, he just can't say, oh, yeah. well, this spot's a little shaky this year, so – you know, maybe we can get by and we'll use this scholarship. But, no, he has to use this right now. I mean, uh, I, I like Chris Mack, but I think he has used up a, almost all of his goodwill. Um, I, I would be safe to say that the honeymoon phase is officially over for him, and it's now, okay, you know, it's time to win an NCAA tournament game at, at minimum. Um, so I, I think from his standpoint, you know, he wants to have – 
the best team possible right now. Um, and then he'll worry about all the other stuff later. So, um, you know, if him and Ross McMains and the other coaches felt the need that, hey, this was going to, you know, it maybe improve the team by two wins, then, hey, that's that's enough. That's good enough for me because um, this is definitely a year I think that they – you know, need to be successful or we're going to lose an even bigger portion of the fan base. No, I'm with you. And it's, it is telling, I think, that you've got two guys now added to the roster or you're about to have two guys added to the roster who at one point in time Louisville had seemed to kind of back off. Like they reached out to Faulkner originally, but they didn't pursue him all that hard. That's why he ended up at Colorado. But And Sidney Curry is the other guy I'm talking about. But I, I do think that they started practicing a little bit I think that the health of both Malik Williams and Roosevelt Wheeler is still a, a big-time concern, and I think you realize that more once you got out there on the court and saw how limited you were down there in the post outside of the four spot. And then I think that they also probably saw that they needed a big-time ball handler. And Marcus Carr, I feel like Marcus Carr did no favors to anybody by including Louisville in his list because yep. he was always going to go to Texas. He was always going to play for Chris Beard, and that's not me making an excuse for Chris Mack. I think that was just – like I said it on the, the radio when he put that out there. I said my understanding is his top two options are one, Texas, two, playing overseas, and then a distant third is Louisville. And like him putting out that list may have been a, a bad thing for Chris Mack because now he gets shit for something that he probably uh, had no control over. But you don't get Marcus Carr. You still feel like you need that playmaker, that ball handler. And I don't know if Mason Faulkner is an elite variety of that but he's going to help you out there. He's going to be a boost there. And if you can take a little bit of a boost at this point in time, you go for it. And so it's no brainer. He's going to be a card. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, the thing that I don't think I haven't heard many people talking about is he just had surgery on his foot. Like he's not right. going to be able to practice with the team until I, at least next month. I think he'll, he won't be able to get out there and start working out until September. So he's going to be a little bit behind, but still, once you get the full practice starting in October, uh, he should be good to go. So that that I, tells I, I, me even more. That tells me even more that they were desperate to get somebody else in there. If they're yeah. willing to let this kid, you know, work through an injury, um, you know, that, and say, hey, you know, we're going to take you anyways because we're going to need, you know, someone in this position. Um, I think they just needed to get another body at that position. All right, you ready to take some questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right, first question. How about this? Anish Shroff from ESPN uh, chimes in right away. He says, what judgments should you make about a person when they say Louisville instead of Louisville? Unless, uh, that, that is incredible that he sent in a question. Oh, my God, that's awesome. I mean, unless they're members of the get-down click who are allowed to say Louisville all they want, I judge them. I, I think you have yeah. You're clearly not well-educated on our city. If if they say it that way, there's two things. They either they've never had a hot brown before, and they think that um, Tennessee whiskey is the same thing as Kentucky bourbon. There you go. Well said. Uh, Bugsy says, in your opinion, is Chris Mack as big of an asshole as everything <laughs> makes him seem to be? Uh, and I, I, you and I were texting about this last night in our UofL group. I think like most college coaches are are just sort of assholes, like not like in their personal, but the way that they go about their business. You just don't hear those details. And with Chris Mack, we've now heard some details. And uh, like, I, no, I don't think he's as big of an asshole as all of this stuff makes him out to be. But he certainly has gotten a little bit of 
bad press over the last couple of years. So I, I, I wanted to tell this story. And by the way, I, I'm telling this, this guy's not an asshole. Um, I, I really like him, but I'll never forget. So my, my junior year of high school, people are like, Jesus, turn this off. But anyway, my, <laughs> my, uh, my junior year of high school at Trinity, we, it was Mike Zabo's first year. So Mike Zabo, the same guy we were just talking about, has now put three Trinity players in the NBA. We lost in the district for like the first time. I don't know. Like, I don't know ever, but it was a, for a very long time. We lost to, um, Atherton and Seneca. It was and bad. didn't even make it to region. And, you know, that's a, when we got to the locker room, I was expecting like, Oh, like, you know what guys? Like, I know like we had a successful season that didn't, it didn't end the way that we wanted, blah, blah, blah. He, it could have been more opposite. Like, even though it was the last game, I mean, he read us the absolute riot act. And, <laughs> like, it was like, like a struck from, like, the fear of God into our eyes. Like, I was like, my God, like, summer workouts are going to suck. But that's just to go, to kind of show people, like, you know, Chris Mack is running a, a, a college basketball program for, like, one of the most name-brand universities out there. Like, uh, there's going to be times where he has to be tough, where he has to say things or, or hurt people's feelings. So um, I, I don't blame him at all for that coach's meeting or what he says. I know people are getting on him about that, but that's just when things don't go right, I mean, sometimes you got to put your foot down and, and – um, make changes. So that's kind of what I related to when I heard that. Uh, but I'll, I'll never forget that speech as long as I live. My God. I, I've never been a part of a, because it didn't happen in sport, especially like when you're, it's kind of like amateur sports, youth sports, where you have a season ending game and the coach is just like, cause what's the point of like being pissed off about it? You know, it's the, but it was so bad that you guys lost to both Atherton and Seneca. <laughs> oh, it, it was bad. Like, I, it was pretty embarrassing. It was beyond embarrassing. Cause keep in mind, like every other district, I think in the state at that point in time had more than three teams. So if you lose your first district game, you're out. Like you're done. You don't get to go to region. You guys had the safety net of just having to beat either Atherton or Seneca to get to region. You had two chances and you couldn't get it done. So side note, I may have already told this on this podcast. So if I have, I'm sorry, but Will Purdue was our assistant coach at the time, <laughs> former Chicago Bulls NBA champion, Will Purdue. And he had been talking about, you know, the weeks prior, like, Hey, when we get to region, we're going to make sure you guys get some new shoes. And we're like, oh, hell yes. Like, we can't wait. Like, what kind of shoes are we getting? We couldn't wait. So, like, I'll never, after Sabo was, like, reading the, read the riot act in the locker room afterwards. I mean, Will Purdue, like, never raised his voice. He really didn't say, like, a bad thing. He was pissed. He was like, all you guys care about is your fucking shoes. And I swear to God, because I didn't play either game. I was like a scrub as a junior. I It took everything in my body not to just absolutely roll on the floor <laughs> in laughter. I had like tears running down my eyes, like almost like holding in a laugh. But, um, yeah, that was that was a memorable locker room. I won't forget that one. Oh, God. Clay says, if a mini pool is full of jello, should you jump into it? Yeah, absolutely. No, no questions asked. Uh, David Giesel, what channel is the Ole Miss game on? ESPN. Uh, Gabe Diverge, here we go. It's been a Straight minute. Straight to the point. I love it. <laughs> Rapid yeah, I mean, fire. Yeah, yeah they, they love the, the TV questions. Uh, it's, it's tale as old as time. Uh, Gabe says, it's been a minute since you gave us a grand vision of Louisville using Save by the Bell. So tell us where you're at with football and basketball by comparing them to the Save by the Bell story arcs. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, 
basketball, I feel like we're kind of in this is this is bad. Like I, I, I hate that I even am about to say this. We're in the Tory episodes. Oh, like it, well, it feels like we're just kind of waiting for everything to go back to normal. Like eventually, this annoying motorcycle riding, like heroin, is going to leave. And we're going to get Kelly back, and we're gonna. Not that Kelly is Rick Pitino. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying Kelly Kapowski is normalcy for Louisville Benz basketball. And eventually, we're going to get that back. The NCAA stuff is going to be behind us. There's going to be no more excuses about the lack of recruiting. This whole like not making the NCAA tournament is going to be a thing of the past. There won't be any excuses for that, and we're just going to to go. It's going to be old school, say by the bell. Like that's where we are right now. And with Satterfield, man. Um, kind of like the Malibu Sands. Malibu Sands. That's what I was thinking. Like, I mean, there's been some good moments, but there's there's been some low moments as well. It's sort of like, like Malibu Sands was fantastic right off the bat. Like Stacey Carosi was a good character. There were some funny moments, and then it was just kind of like this is dragging on. Like, like this is there are way too many of these summer episodes. Take me back to Bayside. And we got to kind of figure out if that's gonna if that's gonna happen. We're in that middle part of the Malibu Sands where it's like, ooh, I don't know if I like this quite as much as I did at the beginning. And, yeah, uh, it's gonna be happens. like Scott Satterfield sitting on the beach and like uh, <laughs> Brian Brown walks up. He's like, "Hey, you need a win." And then like all the players walk up, like, "How about five wins? <laughs> How about six wins? Let's go to the, the Bayside Bowl." Yeah. And the winner is Craig Strand. Uh, there we go. That's 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 where we are here. Shay Martin. <laughs> how proud are you of both of us that we've made it? Forty minutes of the, no Reds mentions yet. That's about to change here. Shay Martin. Why do the Reds love making me cry? Well, we you and I both know this. The Reds have been unreal when you've been like home when you've been in Ohio, but when you're on vacation, they were just absolute ass. It's the reverse thing for me, where they never lose when I'm on vacation, but right when you got home yesterday, like literally pulled in the driveway, Jesse Winker here to Grand Slam, we beat the Braves by a billion, big series against the Phillies coming up this weekend. We're only three and a half out of the wild card. We're still right there. Gosh, we are right there, and this is like, I feel like almost the last tough week they have to get through. Um and it's been a rough start. Uh, we're one and three so far. I said like begin, beginning of the week, I was like, man, if we could go four and three against the one game against the Indians and then three against Philly, three against Atlanta, I would be happy. So we're one and three. We got three against Philly. We're going up against potential Cy Young winner and Zach Wheeler tonight. So it's going to be tough sledding, but you've got Tyler Malley. Come on. Yeah, we do have Tyler Malley. So <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it Either way, I mean, this has just been uh, – we're midway through August. We're still hanging on by a thread. We're just getting our heart broken. But it feels good to have your heart broken in August versus not caring. Um, but we'll see how long this lasts. I don't know. I, I, I still have faith that this team is good enough. we got a couple guys we're going to get back from uh, AAA Louisville, I think, are going to help out. But uh, this is definitely feels like it's going to go down to the wire. They're fun as hell. I know that. It, despite the, like, I feel like we've had more soul-crushing losses for a fun season than I could ever imagine. Uh, we have not talked about, we haven't done a pod since uh, since we made the trip up to Iowa, I don't think. We had a blast at the Reds game we went to. Comeback win over the Cardinals. We were on Reds Live. Uh, we were on Reds Live. Drinking a beer. You talked to Gee, Brian Giesenslaw during a break about the Columbus Blue Jackets for some reason. Uh, some people, when they get that liquid courage, you know, they'll talk to a pretty girl or they'll, they'll get really funny. 
Danny Sonard will talk to Brian Giesenslaw during a break about a trade involving the Columbus Blue Jackets. That was And you know what? It's the same reaction from both the girl and Giesenslaw. They wanted nothing to do with it. <laughs> like he was like literally it could not have been more like what the hell is this drunk thirty five year old talking to me about while uh, I'm on air? Um, uh, yeah, it was a good it was, time. It was wonderful. Doctor Moron says, Is the Siva Vandy winner uh the best Friday night basketball game of all time? Deal a great that was a great Friday night atmosphere. I mean oh, like, it was awesome. just a great game. I had like almost forgotten about that. That was really fun. I went with um our buddy Lytle. We went we got invited to go to a, a suite for that game and it was fucking it was badass. That was I, one of the young center being jealous of that. I was like, oh, it was in the suite. Friday night Louisville basketball games produce the rowdiest atmospheres. I stand by that. Like like People drink, at least they used to, at the beginning of the last decade. Because we had that game. We had a, a game against UConn, I think, the year after that on a Friday night where, I mean, just everybody, you get to drink for a little bit longer. They're, they're always, they tip off a little bit later. Like, those were some of the best environments. But, yeah, the Vandy game, which I think went to overtime, was that was, like, the first time we played a really good team that year, and it was just absolutely awesome. That was a, a fantastic game. Um, Brian Lockhart says, who will be your first guest on, on your new show and why isn't it Bobby? Um, Bobby is going nowhere near, going nowhere near the show. We won't have anything to do with Bobby. By the way, the the guy who plays Bobby in real life is like a super weird dude. Like he is. Is Bobby still, still a thing, or is like? I, I mean, when's the last time we saw Bobby like literally up and going? He's in Joey Wagner's DMs every week, trying to get back to Louisville, and that's not a joke. Like he's he's literally like talking space, like get me back to Louisville. We're like Bobby, dude. Just it was it was fun. It's over. Move on. Yeah, this is like when Virgil from WWF is like still like going to sign autographs at every flea market. It's like, dude, Virgil, 1991 was a long time ago. That was fun. Now it's done. Um, First guest, I don't. So I had kind of like worked on getting like some big time first guests, and then on Wednesday they were like, the phones are a little iffy here. We're gonna work out stuff. So maybe like not have anybody cool just in case it it becomes like a huge uh, fuck up on day one. So maybe Greer. We'll, we'll just I don't care if anybody listens to Greer. We'll put him <laughs> up there. And just if it if it fucks up, nobody will care. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, tune in Monday. Find out. Uh, Andrew Atwell, will your new show be available on podcast? Yes, it will. Uh, let's see. Hoops Insight. What is the most difficult feat of athleticism slash coordination that you could accomplish on the first try while wearing the Cardinal Bird mascot costume? Um, just based on seeing the Cardinal Bird shoot. Like at the Yum Center a few times, I feel like it's tough to do. So I think I could catch, like if you asked me to run a post route, I bet I could catch a football in full stride wearing the Cardinal Bird mascot costume. Probably what I just did this week in water ski. Uh, I've put just slap a Cardinal Bird on my head and shred some glass across the lake. It's the whole costume though. You couldn't even do it when you didn't have a costume. Oh, the whole, oh, I'm wearing the, oh, okay. I thought it was like the CC mask. No, 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 no. Uh, The whole, the full Louis costume. Oh man. Um, yeah, I mean, it's probably too hard to like, although I feel like I used, we used to see the Cardinal bird like shooting jumpers. Um, I don't know. I don't know how big the hands are. That's a tough one. I'd, I'd really have to, I think I could, Take some swings, uh, some batting practice swings and maybe hit some in the, uh, my, my, we call it the Dan zone, the little spot between shortstop and left field. 
It's true. That's uh, where 95% of your hits came from growing up, the Dan Zone, which also is your Twitter name now. The fact that you were a bloop single player as like a teenage as a teenage kid somehow became your entire identity on social media. That's impressive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Peter says, what's your Mount Rushmore of Louisville villains within the program? That's a good question. Chuck um, Smart. Chuck Smart would be up there, which I feel kind of bad because he didn't actively do it. He didn't yeah. intentionally do anything, but he just sucks so bad at his job. Because um, are we putting Gaudio up there now? I mean, it's kind of hard not to at this point. Um, he is the Card Chronicle least cool person of the year. He won the the tournament this year. Side note: I played, I played the U of L media scramble a couple of weeks ago, and Jeff Walls was in our group, and I was like, just you know, just shoot the shit at the beginning. I was like, hey, we just want to, you know, I, I can now tell you in person, congratulations on being the Card Chronicle person of the year. And Walls took it very seriously. He he was like. He's a guy I think I just got it because the, uh, the COVID year. I think I was just like the, the default winner. He, he was like DL pissed that he hasn't gotten it before, I think. Like, like it was very – it was not a, like, ha-ha, yeah, that's the, the greatest honor I could ever have. Like, he was kind of like he, – he was analyzing it. He wants a real Card Chronicle person. I actually before. probably don't blame him. He's probably like, what the hell else do I have to do? I mean, I know, like, we're all saying, like, you know, win a title, but that's actually pretty tough to do. He's he's yeah. done just about or more than any other program that we have. So he's not fucking yeah, around I, here. I, I, I understand. Real. I understand the beef. He wants a real CC Person of the Year award. He's he's, he's after it in 2021. Um, so let's finish that. We've got Gaudio. We've got Smurt. I mean, Brandon Bender got to be up there. Um, yeah, don't assume I mean, this, Brandon. Andre McGee or uh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, McGee's definitely on there. Uh, Steve Cragthorpe. Cragthorpe. Um, yeah. Zach uh, Price. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Zach Price. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I I find it hard to like really hold a grudge against anyone in our program unless like. It seemed like you were actively trying to take it down, and um, I'd say those the ones that we name probably are stand out alone to me. So I think uh, I'm sure you'll have people send in tweets that with some that I forgot, but we'll, we'll stick with those right there. I would you put I guess the only one of the ones, and I feel even I feel bad doing this because they're so close to the program, but like Wade Houston leaving kind of fucked us, like it kind of ruined the Denny Crum era, like that. No, because like those were like I don't know, like like I'm not gonna hold that against him. Like he, that Allen went on to have a successful NBA career and and whatnot. Yeah, it it sucked that he didn't come, but I'm not I'm not gonna hold that against Wade. Oh, you're you're a big man, dancing art. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wade's listening. Like, all right, I got Dan. Like, He's like, what's that kid's number? <laughs> so I'm gonna give him a call. I'm gonna call Mike Zavo and get in touch. Yeah, I, I don't uh, know why Wade talks like that, but Charles yeah. Dillon <laughs> says, "Is there any way you can get your radio show to the whole state? There are many card fans all over, and KSR is only played in other areas of KY. Um, streaming is the only way to make it happen. I mean, hopefully, the show gets so big and so awesome that we have a bunch of different affiliates. But as of right now." Uh, it's only going to be here in Louisville. Again, 1450, 96-1. Check it out. Uh, West Delton Pole, shout to Catfish. We love you. Where does Dino rank in your all-time list of extortionists? Uh, I mean, just ahead of Karen Cipher. He was a little bit better at it than, than Cipher was because he's not going to go to jail. But that's uh, <laughs> that's all I've got here. Brad Hall, who will be the breakout star on this year's football team? 
Love the question. I feel like, I mean, I don't know. Like Jalen Mitchell probably doesn't count since he's he played so well at the end of last year. I'll go with a guy who's been getting all sorts of buzz, uh, Tyler Harrell, for being such a speedster, kind of sliding into that two-two Atwell role. I know Justin Marshall's been a standout at practice so far. But I feel like you kind of have to go with a like a wide receiver or a, a running back. So I'll, I'll go with Tyler Harrell. Do you have any? I'm a, I'm going to go with the the freshman DN that everyone's raving about, and I'm going to butcher how they pronounce his last name. But uh, if you can help me out, what is it, Ashton? Um, Galat. It, yeah, Galat. Uh, like everything I read about this kid is that he's destined to be a stud here. Um, so I, again, as a true freshman, uh, maybe that's asking a lot, um, of someone to come on the field and, and make that big of an impact. But, uh, I don't know. I, it just seems like this kid has stardom written all over him. Uh, Gil Bulwark says, considering that neither has any noteworthy recruiting ties and or prior experience at the high major level, what makes you optimistic that Ross McMains and Cahill Fennell will be an upgrade over Dean Ogaudio and Luke Murray? Uh, my answer would be because they, like, I watched last year. Like, you yeah. gotta, you gotta hope that they're going to be better than, uh, they looked last year. And I think McMains is an exciting hire just because he's so outside the box and he comes highly recommended by all these professional coaches who have worked with him. Could it, be a total flop? Sure. I mean, any hire can be a total flop. I think Kale Fennell, the, the biggest thing with him is that the kids love him. Like, that's, he was the one guy on staff last year who I felt like, not that they didn't like Luke Murray or, or Dino Gaudio. Obviously, we talked about the Quinn Szczynski stuff earlier, but Kale Fennell was a guy who just really connected with a lot of the players. And I think that's his, I don't want to say his primary attribute because clearly he knows basketball and clearly he's, he deserved to be the assistant for reasons other than, uh, you know, his relationships. But that's still, I think, a big part of it. I think you're going to have a team that's more cohesive this year, uh, in part because he's a, a full-time member of the uh, assistant coaching staff. So those would be my answers. I mean, could yeah. they be worse than Gaudio and Luke? Sure. We, we don't know. Exactly. I mean, you never know till the season starts. We're, we're hoping, like you said, that they're better. It seemed like Dino, it's like, at the time, was kind of the guy that Chris could go to for, you know, advice if he needed it or – um, just kind of a steady right-hand man on the bench. And Luke was more the guy known for his recruiting prowess. I'm not taking any way, thing away from his coaching ability. Um, but it, like you said, it, by going outside the box with, with the Ross McMaines hire and, and, you know, we kept Fennel on the bench because it seems like all the players liked him. Uh, you would like to think we're going to make an improvement there. And obviously that's the goal of Chris Mack. So it remains to be seen, but let's hope that he's right. Uh, let's see here. Harrison Rice, how much longer does the NCAA realistically have? NCAA is gone in a decade, or at least in its in its current form, the NCAA, that NCAA will not exist in 10 years. I, I, have, a, like, I have a bold prediction. I think we have the banner back up in less than two years. I really less do. Less than two? Okay. I really do. I, I Things are moving so quickly, and it seems like, Things are spiraling so fast for the NCAA that I don't know. I just, I, I, it just seems like something's ready to buckle here. And I, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. It just feels like we're going to be like, fuck it. We're putting it back up. I don't know if that's going to be the term that Vince Tyre releases in his <laughs> press release. Um, I but support I, it. I, I just see it happening. I don't know why. I, I, I feel like 
Especially, I mean, this bullshit Baylor ruling this week. I mean, there, nothing makes sense anymore. Like, why not just put it back up? You know, if what's so what they're gonna find you? I don't know. I just I I don't understand it. But um, I, I could see it the way things are trending being back up in the next two years. Bold prediction, hot take, stamp it, mark it down. I'll say I like it. I'll, I'll say. It's back up, but it's. I'm gonna go less than five. I'll go, I'll go a little bit longer, but I'm with you. I think it's gonna come back. And I'll I'll reiterate this because I said it a lot. People thought it was a radio bit. It was not. I wholeheartedly believe this. The banner should have never come down. Should have never come down. Um, I would have, at the very least, I would have kept it up and put like a tiny asterisk or something else or said like you know take an NCAA out of the language and just said 2013 champions. But I would have not taken that banner down because what the fuck are you gonna do to us? Exactly. Like, I they may have a harsh penalty the next time we're in trouble. Like we like walk in the Yum Center and there's like a ladder match type deal. Like people like getting thrown off the ladder trying to take it down with like NCA jackets down. We're like we're not letting you. Yeah, fuck that. I, mean, I just I have zero. Res- the NCA does nothing. It, it does two things. The NCA exists for two reasons at this point. One is to shield the conferences and the universities from lawsuits and other negative attention, which is again. People keep wondering how the NCAA exists and why conferences don't break off. It's because it, it's for that reason. When you've got issues like the NIL stuff, like, you know, what's happened at Baylor and other places, the NCAA is kind of a shield for that. Like, they're the ones who get sued. They're the ones who have to deal with it. They're the ones who punish the individual individual institutions. The, the schools themselves who do make up the NCAA aren't technically policing themselves because they have the NCAA to point at and blame. That's why they want to keep the NCAA around. And the second thing the NCAA does is put on a men's basketball tournament. It, that's it. Like, those are the only two things, the only two reasons why this entity still exists. And I don't – I could not have any less respect for any ruling they throw out at this point. And I would give a middle finger to them at every single point. And I'm not just saying that. If I'm the athletic director, I'm doing it. You want me to pay a fine? Fine. We're still the, the biggest revenue producer in college basketball. We've got the money to pay for fines. You, you want you, – you're going to try to like ban us from the postseason. You're, you're going to do that anyway. You're going to do what you yep. want to do when all this stuff is done. I'm leaving my fucking banner up. I would have put it up tomorrow. I'd have it up today. Uh, that's that's my hot take. Doctor of Dunk. I like this question a lot. I'm going to have to think about it though. He says, "What is the dumbest traffic law slash sign in Louisville?" His possible options are the 35 mile per hour speed limit on River Road between Zorn and the waterfront, and also the no turn on red at Stilton Frankfurt, which I, I both are great examples. I think the only other one that I think of is it's criminal that 42 slash Brownsboro Road isn't 45 the whole way. Like that, when it gets to 35 and then ebbs and flows, I'm like, this is, I should be going, I'm going 55 down the whole way. So I'm, I'm not worried about it, but that one is dumb. And then I feel like not being able to turn left off of Frankfurt onto Shelbyville is, is kind of dumb. Like that's, that's the other one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm drawing blanks here. It's you don't even live here anymore. You're, you're I know. God you damn it! I do you remember. Even... I used to hate. I hated the the speed bumps driving through like kind of the old Henry Anchorage area. Like those always got me. Yeah, but that's a good one. Off the top of my head, I can't really think of anything. Uh, Corito says, "Would you accept a character letter from Coach Cal if you needed it?" Yeah, probably. Oh, a hundred percent. Like he'd make me out to be like a road scholar. I'd be like. I'd be like off interviewing at Google because of the bullshit he's able to put in that letter, and I'd get there, and they'd be like, "Who the hell is this kid?" David says, and I think this is a little tongue in cheek. I need to know all of Dan's thoughts on conference realignment and the ACC. 
Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. I, I kind of talked to you, dude. I'm actually a little nervous. Like, I, part of me thinks that the SEC is totally out for blood. And I could see, like, someone who's, like, had recent success, like, in his big-time po- college football powerhouse now, like Clemson jumping ship, maybe taking a Florida State. I just I, – I have this ultimate fear of being left in limbo. I probably need to get over it. Um, but my thought is that it makes me nervous. I, I don't like that the SEC is becoming what it is. Like, will I watch it? Yeah, of course I'll watch it. I'm, I mean, they're they're, you know – pulling in good teams college football is going to be amazing in the conference no doubt about it but it it makes me a little bit uneasy we have have several questions here from people who want us to address uh louisville live moving to churchill downs this year our thoughts on that and uh, a couple that i ask is this event ever going to rival big blue madness which i'll answer that part first i don't think it ever is just because it's kind of like when we had the, the conversation more so like five years ago than we do now uh, what, I guess because we don't we don't have a spring game now. But remember when people were like, why don't we have the spring game attendance that like Ohio State has and, and Tennessee has and some of these other programs have? And the answer was always like, because they were doing it for generations. Like it, it's in your blood. Like you go to the spring game every year because you went every year as a kid, and you bring your kids when you start having kids. Like we didn't have that growing up, so it's going to take a little bit of time. And with Big Blue Madness, I mean. Those Midnight Madness events are kind of becoming things of the past across the country, and Kentucky's is one of the very few that's always going to draw just because they, they've been doing this every year forever, and people go to it. People eat it up. People are obsessed with it. I think the Louisville Live event has been awesome in the two years that we've had it, but I don't think it's ever going to get to quite that point, but it can still be one of the four or five best opening madness events in the entire country. It can still be a great recruiting tool. And I think moving it to Churchill Downs, one, I like it. Let me start off by saying that. Yeah. I, I do wish that we had had, like, not this kind of buffer now. I could Because the first year was great. I think it was even more successful than the organizers thought it was going to be. Second year was even bigger. I mean, you had Donovan Mitchell. You had Jack Harlow. You had a bigger crowd. I think things went went more smooth. If you'd had that natural progression right into Churchill Downs last year, I think you would have seen it grow even more. Now I'm just a little bit concerned with, uh, you know, having the year off, kind of getting the word back out, having new students who haven't even done Louisville Live yet. And also, I mean, I mean, apparently COVID's never ever going to go away. You still got that out there, which, which could hurt it a little bit. But I think long term, moving it to Churchill Downs is going to be really, really cool. I think it's going to be unbelievably cool. I mean, um, who doesn't love, like, I mean, the Friday night races are like a huge success anyways. And then, um, you know, to set up Louisville live there, I think whoever thought of that, that's a great idea. Um, I, I, I think I'm all for having more activities at Churchill Downs. I don't know if they still, like I, one of my first jobs was a valet Parker at Churchill Downs. And I don't know if they still do like the concerts there, but I mean, I remember, Working there when uh, the police came, when the the Rolling Stones were there, um, and those concerts were awesome. So any activities or events they want to do at Churchill Downs, um, I mean, it's such a big venue. I'm all for it. The Dan seal of approval. He's got Churchill Downs has it. Wade Houston has has it. Here we go. Uh, Lewis Samuel says, "What's your current vertical leap?" Oh God, it is so low. It, It was never good. That was one thing that I was just never. I never had any hops ever, and I mean dad, we're single we're single digit guys, right? Is that probably like, at this point? Jesus, okay. yeah, I can't yeah. I can't even imagine. I mean, I used to be able to get backboard. That was it. Uh, I could never 
never was able to touch rim. And there's a picture of my dad who's like five five, five six at best when he was playing basketball at Mayo, where he's like jumping for a, a rebound and he's like above the rim. And like, he really like, is. That picture is unbelievable. I can't believe that that's your dad. And like all those dudes who played with him were like, yeah, man, he was an insane athlete. I got none of that. Like, like absolutely none of it. My vertical leap was always bad. And right now I can't imagine how awful it is. Uh, I, see, I was always, I'm a two foot jumper. Um, I could never jump high off one foot. So it really kind of held me back. Um, I mean, obviously I was taller, so there was a stage where I could every once in a while throw down like a dunk, but it, it would have to be like a running start. It wasn't like smooth, like within like the uh, like pace of play. Did you ever dunk in a game? No, God, no. no. <laughs> I, I didn't shoot inside the three-point line. <laughs> literally, well, I didn't even – not that I didn't shoot. I didn't go inside the three-point line. I just floated out there for – the, the 10 to 12 minutes if I actually got to play. You were basically like freshman Malik Williams, just, just yeah, refusing that's literally to go inside. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. HR paper stacks. Will being a Louisville fan ever be fun again and not exhausting? I mean, yeah. Once the, game, once the games start, we'll be fine. Just summer, I mean, this is just the bullshit happens during the summer. If it wasn't this, it would be football injuries or something else. There's always something that negative is you're going to have to discuss in the off season. It seems like so. Just get to the games, let them start, and uh, yeah, God, I, I'm I'm like really starting to get juiced up for the old Miss game. Um, it, it, the smell of football, the grass, it's it's in the air. That's that was really corny, but it's true. Like it just feels like football season almost, and. Uh, man, would that be just a monumental win, not just for football, but for the athletic department, if they were able to, to uh, I don't want to say shock the world, but um, pull an upset that Monday night of Labor Day. Dude, it's been over 20 years since I've played football, and, like, still this time of year when I go outside and, like, you kind of smell like the grass, <laughs> like, I still get, like, the, it's like, like, oh, no. Like, I, I have, like, just PTSD from football practice this time of year. Like, I just I, I just get all, like, those nerves and that anxiety about having to go play practice football. Uh, I just I hated it. Games were fine. When it got into fall and, like, practice is kind of, like, like toned down. The, okay. the 30 minutes oh. leading up to leaving for practice were maybe the th- th- worst 30 minutes I experienced as a Could child. not agree more. Could not agree more. Like, <laughs> I would, like, lie on the couch of the bed, just, like, ripping in fear, like, checking the clock every, like, 30 seconds, being like, oh, God, 17 minutes left. Here we go. I love how you were the starting quarterback, and this is how your feelings were. I hated it. Your teammates loved that. I was starting quarterback and starting middle linebacker in eighth grade, and I still, I just hated it every day. It's like, man, our quarterback loves football. (laughs) My God, this is the worst moment of my life. Just ready for basketball season. Like, just get me out of this shit. Um... (laughs) Uh, <laughs> Boombox Mike, are you going to watch the new Game of Thrones spinoff? And how about the new Sopranos movie coming out? Uh, like, this is the most generic take of all time, but like, Game of Thrones, the last two seasons just ruined everything for me. Like, I, I can't think about it. I can't watch old episodes. I can't, I, I don't want anything to do with Game of Thrones ever again because of how bad it got. I know you never watched Game of Thrones. I never, I've never seen Sopranos, so we're, we're on opposite ends of the spectrum here. Well, I, I tried to watch Game of Thrones. That's right. And I just, I, I, I never got into it. And like, there was a part of me when everyone was like, 
when I heard through the grapevine or through Twitter that the last season or two was terrible, it was like so satisfying. I was like, I told you it sucked. Um, that, that's why I didn't watch it, even though that had like nothing to do with it. That's just not the type of TV I enjoy. But Sopranos, one of my favorite show uh, shows, and the spinoff with James Gandolfini's son playing a young Anthony Soprano. The, I mean, the trailer itself gave me goosebumps. I could not be more excited to see this. It looks like it's going to be absolutely dynamite. Um, usually, I don't like when they go back and like take shows and and remake them, but. I am very excited to watch this one. I thought the the Breaking Bad movie. I thought El Camino was good. I liked it. I, I did too. Like, I mean, I I just like needed a I just needed a taste of of uh, that's the wrong word to a say. A taste of I, Jesse. <laughs> I, I needed a taste of Walt and Jesse one more time, and I got it. So uh, yeah, and then I mean, uh, Better Call Saul. That that's an absolutely phenomenal show. I, I don't think you started it, which. Uh, you definitely should, and shout out to Bob Odenkirk. We need him to get back on the men. I know he had a little health scare, so uh, hopefully they finish up season six here. But it's going, it's trending towards like Breaking Badish ending. It's it's going to be good. Uh, Aaron says, "When will the IARP process be finished?" God, if I, if I knew Aaron, uh, when will it get started? I think is the bigger question. Uh, and he says, "Will the recent alleged violations by Mac be a part of that process as well?" No, they will not. That's only the uh, FBI stuff is that deal. And what should we expect in terms of punishment? My status on this has not changed. I know the IARP, there have been a couple of changes in recent weeks because it's such a complete clusterfuck and the NCAA's punishments have been sort of all over the place the last year and a half. I mean, I think minimum, Louisville's getting banned from the tournament. Unless something like revolutionary happens with the NCAA between now and when we hear the punishment – you got to assume we're going to miss at least one NCAA tournament. I still would not be surprised if it winds up being two just because we were on probation and they want to make an example. I just I, – I can tell you the day we're going to hear our punishment. Um, it's going to be sooner than everyone expected. It's going to be August 16th at 3 yeah. o'clock, Mike Rutherford's first day on air. The punishment's going to be handed down. August 16th – yeah. By the way, August 16th is also my anniversary, our, our anniversary, and uh, – like the it's like orientation night in Virginia. We're sending her to preschool for the first time, so we got a lot going on on Monday. So would not be shocked at all if that's <laughs> the punishment comes down. Uh, John says they're closing the internet tomorrow, which means Card Chronicle will no longer exist. You have time to write one more post. What's it about? I probably would just be kind of like I don't know, highlighting the Card Chronicle like peaks uh, over the years. Uh, little chicken knolls, little uh, uh, Bryce Cotton, little. Getting into the ACC national championship, just kind of, we kind of try to be like a summary deal, a, a clip show uh, on the internet, if you will. It's uh, like I murdered Bumpy. Here's here's all the details. To <laughs> <laughs> uh, please be good again. At DePaul fan double zero just says DePaul question mark, and my answer is DePaul, of course. Um, let's see. We'll, I know we're running long here. Matt Flagg says, does Joey Votto's recent performance finally give him the edge over Shania Twain for greatest Canadian? Joey's just the greatest person, period. I don't even need to say Canadian. So He's incredible. Joey, Joey has had, and I think we've kind of gone through it together, like stages where like, all right, came up, best player ever, one MVP. We're like, this guy's going to be the greatest red ever. Then he signed the big contract and – kept getting hurt and his play kind of declined a little bit 
And then we're like, God, you know, I don't think Joey's going to live up to what we thought. He's taking money from the team. He's a little bit weird. Um, but like now it seems like he's having like the most fun ever. And like everything he does is awesome. And he's literally in the MVP conversation. So he's, he's to me back to being like one of the coolest athletes I've ever cheered for. I, I, I haven't had this much fun cheering for an athlete in a long time as I am him right now. I mean, over the last 21 games, he's hitting 392. He's got 14 home runs, 20 runs scored, and 32 RBI in 21 games. That's unbelievable. He's 37 years old. That's the other thing is he's older than both of us, which makes us feel a little bit better about ourselves. So, Summer of Otto, it's been awesome. Uh, I don't have uh, – I'm not going to answer that question. We'll, we'll leave it there. We've rambled on for too long. Do you have a Dan of the Dumps for this week, Dan? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll tell a story. I kind of mentioned it to you earlier. Um, like, well, I just got back from the lake. Now, like I said, I never grew up on the lake at all. So, like, I wasn't really, you know, anyone that hung around bodies of water, really. Um, I, I stayed <laughs> in the Midwest. But uh, so I, I never really, like, did anything like fishing or anything like that growing up. Well, for whatever reason, my son loves to fish. I mean, he absolutely loves it. He wants to go fishing here. Like, we have a bunch of ponds by us. Every time we're at the lake, he wants to fish. Like, he's caught more fish in a year than I have my whole life combined times a 1,000. So, anyways, um, usually, though, I'm always around, like, either my dad or someone that's, like, pretty handy as far as, like, tying on the hooks or, like, setting up his fishing pole. Like, I can do it sometimes, but, like, I don't know. I'm just not very good at it, um, and usually there's someone there to help me out. Well, uh, this past week, he caught a fish, and it was me – uh, him and then like a bunch of like uh, his little cousins around and there was no adults around. So when he pulled this fish out of the water, he was afraid to get it off the hook. I don't think he was afraid. He just couldn't get it off the hook. So I had to do it. And the hook was, and I've done this before, so I'm not a complete amateur, but the hook was like so far hooked in this fish that I was like, if I pull on this thing, like God knows I'm going to like just rip through this fish and, and kill him. So like, I'm just like tugging at this thing and I don't have pliers or anything to like get the hook out. And I'm just like tugging on this thing for like four to five minutes. And then like, I like kind of forget what I was doing. And then I like let my hand go and I'm like, Oh, he's dead. He's fucking dead. So like, I was like, you know what guys, let's just put him in the water back on my pole real quick. Um, so I like lowered him down. Like he's being lowered into like a fucking grave on the pole. And I just like sat him there in the water and like, like the kids were like, he's not moving. And I like shook my pole around. I was like, nope, he's alive. And they were like, no, you just shook your pole. I saw it. I was like, no, no. And then like, I like reeled him back up. I had to break it to the kids. I'm like, you know what? I don't think he is with us any longer. So like eventually we had to like get a pair of scissors, cut the line. And like, I like didn't want like the person's house. It was like, see that I just killed a fish right on their dock. So I just absolutely chuck this fish like halfway out in the lake. So it didn't wash up to shore. Um, but the kid, I look over the kids to them are crying i was like oh my god i'm like the worst human being alive they're literally fucking crying because of the fish so uh i'm a murderer i felt bad about it i promise i didn't do it on purpose i love animals um but yeah that was a tough tough scene and a tough look for your boy it's not easy being a rayburn no uh, it's, not, it's not easy being a rayburn that's the perfect way to end the podcast here um 
if we didn't get to your question, apologies. I have not checked if we have any new reviews, but if you have not left us a review, please do so wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to the pod there. Give us a rating. Give us a review. We always read those on, on air besides today's episode because I am I, not, not prepared, but we definitely will do that moving forward. We also still have not done the review podcast of the 2012 Cincinnati game. That's because I have not gotten around to watching it. It's all on me. Keith has been just chopping at the bit, ready to go for the last three weeks. We will get that done before the actual football season starts, I promise. Uh, we'll have more episodes next week coming out, even though the radio show is starting. And, and one more time, shameless plug, check out the Mike Rutherford Show, working title, 1450 AM here in Louisville, 961, or streaming online anywhere at BigXSportsRadio.com. Starting Monday, 3 to 6, every day, Monday through Friday, talking Cardinal sports. Should be a good time. Did you read that, or did you automatically memorize, memorize that? I remember it. Oh, my God. That was just flawless. I was going to say, you're going to have to say that like 20,000 more times. So, Oh, I know. Um, I've got, I've got yeah. no idea what the phone number is or the text number. <laughs> I'm going to have to get that down. Just like write it on a piece of paper and stick it in front of my face before every show. But uh, it's going to be fun. I'm excited about it. It's going to be a good time. But the pod will be back next week. Enjoy this uh, hot August weekend. Until we talk to you guys again, go Cards. Go Cards. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.